Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Listening to Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now, here are your hosts Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 478 of Linux in the Hamshack, the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. And you have tuned in on a special day because this is the Weekender edition. It's the 95th edition of the Weekender, getting close to 100 of these. And uh, quite frankly, I think they're improving every time. So we hope you enjoy them. Uh, if you don't, you know, you're more than welcome to skip over to some of the other content we have, but I think our new, uh, wheel of topics, uh, format is, is kind of fun and hopefully we'll have a great topic tonight. I've got the wheel loaded up and we're going to get to that here in a second, but before we do, let's go ahead and introduce ourselves. I'm Russ K5TUX. I'm Cheryl W5MOO. And I'm Bill NE4RD. All right. So I think we should just go ahead and dive on into it. We've had a couple of technical topics the last couple of weekenders so i'm i'm hoping for a hedonistic topic we'll <laughs> see what happens you know it is it is totally random i've loaded up the picker wheel i've uh, got all of our topics in there that we have yet to, to, to discuss and i'm going to click the button and see what happens and uh if uh, if i recall correctly everybody can actually hear this now so yes all right here we go and i'm gonna i've already done the five randomizations so here's the button push. And no, no hedonism tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, there will be. There, there right will now. be, yes. But not, not for the random topic. The random topic is uh, going to start a holy war. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, the best Linux distribution. So, are we ready to cover this one? <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> I guess I guess we should define best before we before we go forward. So, what do we think? Mm. Best best as far as overall usability. Best as a ham radio distribution. Best as an overall, you know, distribution for all types of computer usage, or what? What what are we calling best? Mm. Well, I, I think we can cheat a little bit here because uh, we can say that the best Linux distribution is the one that works right for you. <laughs> <laughs> Checks all your boxes for what you want to do. And I mean, that's why no, you know, nobody, you know, like nobody runs the same system. You know, <laughs> we all run our own little flavors of everything. And uh, but I, I think we could I think we can kind of like start with some of the check boxes like you know easy for ham radio getting started easy for just you know desktop user getting started i think there are some distributions that kind of fit into those categories including like you know best for low end system best for a high end system uh best for customiz you know customizations um uh, you know stuff like that stuff that uh <clears throat> allows people to you know kind of 
pick kind of start a direction and then go from there. Okay, well, Don Don has I think the two best criteria for the best Linux distribution, and that is the one where your Wi-Fi and audio drivers work automatically. <laughs> <laughs> well, that depends on your computer too. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> if you're gonna run a Mac, <laughs> expect to have to load the uh, the Wi-Fi driver separately. <laughs> I don't think I had to do that on my iMac. I had to do it for mine. Uh, your mini though, right? The mini. Yeah. Yeah. The mini because it has the B 43 drivers. See, I, I, I don't know what audio drivers are in my, are in my Mac mini. Cause I have a different one than you have. Yeah. Yeah. I have the mid 2011. You have like the 2008 or something like that. Right. And I have an iMac that's a, about the same vintage and they, they both worked fine. I don't remember having to futz with audio at all. No, this is Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi or Wi-Fi. I don't remember having to futz with Wi-Fi at all either. Yeah. So, yeah, this is a known issue for that age, that particular one. Uh, you know, I think it was more than just the the mid twenty eleven Mac Mini, but there were, there are several that had the B forty three or whatever I think it is the yeah B thirty three or B thirty four B forty three B forty three. That sounds that sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, you had to like download that package separately and install it. So, and I've I've installed it on yeah Ubuntu and and Fedora, and it works fine. So you can get around that problem, I think, without a without an issue. Uh, no matter which which OS or distribution you actually choose. Okay, well let's let's define let's pick five checkboxes that that cover the best, and then we'll pick the one we think covers those five. So let's the first one should be what ham radio usability, since that's what we're talking about. I'm going to keep notes here. I'm, I'm putting them in the show notes here. Oh, okay, so, cool. <laughs> so ham radio usability. Then let's see general usability, like uh, for average users. Yeah, like desktop users. Right. Um, portability, maybe? Like the ability to run on different hardware, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Portab- uh, well, let's, okay, I'll change that from portability to flexibility. How about that? <laughs> that that sounds good, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. Let's pick two more criteria for best here. Camera radio usability, general usability, flexibility, uh, ease of install. Yes. Ease of install. And... Probably like uh, application availability. Right. Okay. Application availability and ease of updating. We'll put that yeah. as uh, number five. Okay. So with those five criteria in mind, and uh, we'll we'll send this over to the uh, chat room as well, too, who can uh, throw in their their uh, candidates in the ring here. <laughs> uh, let me let me. Boy, we're getting a lot of people in the chat, so. A B seven Y S. Okay, yeah. So if anybody has any thoughts, go ahead and, and uh throw throw your uh thoughts in the ring. I I you I there was a time when judge when based on these criteria I would have said Linux Mint. I wouldn't I will not say Linux Mint anymore. <laughs> um <clears throat> Well, I would think like yeah, for Linux Mint, yeah, it's pr- probably ham radio usability is fine, right? General usability is probably fine as well because a lot of people like the interface because the interface is sort of mocked up after what Windows XP or something like that. Right. Orig- originally, I mean, right, right. Now it's kind of grown up and stuff like that. But and of um, course, you have to pick whether you're talking about like Mate or Cinnamon because they're they're very different experience. Yeah, I guess that's where get the distribution in the desktop environment where we can't conflate the two because like you can do. It, you know, a desktop environment can fix 
some people's problems with some of these checkboxes. <laughs> but, but I think an average user does conflate the two. I don't think they separate desktop environment from Linux system. So, yeah. Hmm. Well, that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Therein lies the uh, the problem, right? Because uh, okay, well, we can separate it though. We can yeah, separate Linux yeah. system, and we can pick a, a best Linux distribution and a best desktop environment. So let's do that. Okay. Yeah, that sounds that sounds probably better. So it's Arch and KDE. Okay, we're all done. Thanks, kids. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I think you might get some pushback on that. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. Gosh. Um, you know, obviously, I mean, we, we put our distribution together, and it's built on top of Ubuntu, and there's a reason for that. It's because it generally works everywhere you try it. Um, it might not always have the latest, greatest availability of applications. But you can fix that. Um, it's super easy to install. It's super flexible. Although some would argue being stuck in LTS is part of its inflexibility. Um, general usability. Yeah, sure. It's fine. I, I think even almost, well, I think you can find a desktop environment that suits your workflow. I mean, you use KDE for stuff. I use GNOME when it comes to stuff like that. Um, hammer to usability, obviously. Turbulent. Turbulent for the win. <laughs> <laughs> and you could download uh, everything that's not there that uh, needs to be there. I mean, it would probably be the top mark. I mean, because by example, right? I mean, we literally put it out <laughs> right. in Ubuntu for this specific reason. It's not the best distribution for everyone. And I think that's kind of what we're getting at when I originally said, uh, you know, <laughs> the right distribution is the one that, you know, fits all of your requirements. And, right. uh, Ubuntu might not be that, you know, some people might like Mint better. I, th I think we're trying don't. to, like, if someone asked us for a recommendation, we're trying to put out what we would say is the best thing we could think of. Because, like, once upon a time, like I said, we used to say Linux Mint. Now now I wouldn't say that. I have to say something else. But but we're doing the picking. If somebody else wants to, to find to figure yeah. out what, what boxes work for them, then that's on them. But this They're is a fairly new user, you know. Yeah, I think Ubuntu would be probably the best choice. See, I'm I'm leaning in a different way. I think I think because most of the distributions we use, and because you mentioned the Ham Radio Pure Blend, which was something that came out of Debian. Yeah, and Debian underpins so many other distributions, um, including Ubuntu and Mint, and and all the other ones we generally talk about that that don't like fly off into the world of Red Hat and Arch. Um, that I would definitely say Debian might be the best distribution because it's the foundation of so many others, but in, in and of itself is not that good because it's very slow to progress. However, Sparky sort of fixes that problem. Yeah. If you want to live on the testing, the testing build. Yeah. I mean, you could do that with, uh, Ubuntu as well, right? You can sit on the, the testing branch and, you know, it'll be mostly stable. Right, but then you're losing that bullet point of ease of install and stuff because once you're once you're getting into like beta distros and stuff like that, you've you've lost your average user installation base. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I guess um, if you want to say that, then you know they have Rhino now, right? And that's basically Ubuntu already ready to be on the testing branch, isn't that what's called Rhino? 
Yeah, but can we recommend a distribution to all people that we haven't even discussed? <laughs> we have talked about Rolling Rhino before, but not not in the context. Well, we did talk about it in the context of it's not ready. <laughs> it's not ready yet. <laughs> okay, well, I, I think that immediately disqualifies it from this list. The scripts work fine, but like, right. yeah, the installer was not. Uh, I had issues with it, so yeah. Yeah, I yeah I I would still say uh I would still say Ubuntu. I mean Sparky Linux, yeah. Um, but yeah, ah, this is so hard. Oh my gosh, why does it have to be this hard? <laughs> okay, so we're we're kind of settling on Ubuntu. So yeah, I uh, think Ubuntu smooths out the edges that Debian presents because Debian is not particularly friendly when it comes to actually dealing with the user base. Um. And I'm only saying that because, like, I can't even think of the last time I actually did a a live Debian disk. Uh, it's been probably a long time. But I have used Sparky Linux, and I did like it very much. But I didn't think it was as polished as Ubuntu. Yeah, Debian, the root Debian distributions, which Sparky is, it's just the rolling version of the of basic Debian, ten, tends to not be as polished as Ubuntu. But Canonical actually makes an effort to make things very user-friendly. I mean, that's, that's been part of their focus for probably since the very beginning. So yeah, I guess you can always count on Ubuntu, but when you, when you get out of the LTS releases, when you get into the dot, you know, the odd number dot tens and stuff, they have issues. Yeah. Cause they're rolling out new features, new functionality and, and generally, yeah, they're not, they're not LTS ready and that that's the whole point of them. Right. So, so maybe if we're going to specify Ubuntu, we're going to have to say only the LTS Ubuntu's because well, I mean, at least in the first year, <laughs> <laughs> they get a little too old. <laughs> no. Well, it's true. I mean, and you always, you're always fighting that, that aging out process. There are, there are ways to put newer versions of stuff onto LTS releases, but then you can get into problems with that too. So. I don't know. I don't like Ubuntu as an answer. I don't. What, no, do you, I don't either. And they're kind of, they've been kind of going downhill only in the aspect of, you know, they're kind of forcing things to happen and stuff like that, that are not, not very popular in the community and stuff like that. You know, good. Yeah. You know, this is the whole, you get into like the snap, the flat pack and yeah. Yeah. App, app image, all of which suck. Uh, so. Yeah, it just, it's definitely encumbered quite a bit to try to get that stuff to work out of the box, which I think is not nice, is not good for the general usability for average users. Because, you know, the whole point of getting an average user on there is that they want to be able to install their application regardless of what, where it comes from. You know, they, whether they, it's only offered as an app image or only offered as a dev or only offered as a, a flat pack, you know, it should be relatively easy for someone to get something installed. Um, and I think I think it kind of loses a little bit of steam there because it is a bit cumbersome to get that stuff back working because uh, it does not set up that way by default. Yeah, I think the the later versions of Ubuntu now install Firefox as a snap, which I think is a cop out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but maybe well, that's there just are, me- there's distinct advantages to that. I understand why they want to do that. Um, it's not popular. Though. It's definitely not popular. So you've been using Pop OS. Oh yeah, yeah, I have. What what do you think about that in relation to this discussion? I mean, I like it. I think it probably solves some of the um some of the odd things that you don't like about Ubuntu or I don't like about Ubuntu. Um but in the same hand, 
I have not been able to build a, a you know a live disc from it. So that that kind of that that's my problem. <laughs> right. Um uh, overall, yeah, it's uh oh my god, is it better? I haven't used Ubuntu as a daily driver in a while, but I do use that like pretty often. And I'm very happy with it. Um and I literally use it like a regular user. I don't do anything special on there. I mean, I I did install VS Code and I did do one tiny little coding project on it. But like in general, I, I use the web browser and I use LibreOffice. <laughs> That's pretty much all I use that box for because it's really not you know strong enough to do anything else useful. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, I didn't even think about that. But yeah, I think Pop! OS would probably be a really good candidate to fill in the gaps where Ubuntu kind of starts having issues. Pop! OS does not have the exact same issues, but like the availability of different desktop environments um, might be an issue for some people. I think Pop! OS only comes with uh, their version of GNOME, right? Where am I? I? I don't actually use Pop OS. I know it was, it's definitely in your wheelhouse. So I don't know what, I mean, technically you can install any desktop environment on any Linux. System. Oh yeah. Yeah. After the fact, you can do whatever you want. Right. So let me, so let me throw one other Debian variant in the mix that I think comes up in discussions like this quite a bit, although it's something we haven't really touched on or discussed in a while. Are and you that's Sousa. <laughs> no, I'm not going to say Sousa. I'm going to, I'm going to say elementary. Oh, yeah. I uh, they I uh, yeah, no. Nah, not no, anymore. Not anymore. Okay. Fair enough. Not anymore. Um I think uh I think they started falling apart on the high DPI stuff. The UI looks really wonky. The last time I messed with it in high DPI, it doesn't scale very nicely and then it just does weird stuff. So, I I haven't been happy with that in a while and that's probably why we haven't talked about it in a while because <laughs> I would think I was the only one actually like, you know, cheering it on probably like four years ago or something like that. So oh, elementary is just sexy. It looks great. It looks great. If you have a, you know, an FHD screen, you know, a 1080, whatever, <laughs> 920 by 1080, whatever. Yeah. Uh, screen 1080p uh, looks beautiful. Um, but yeah, start putting it on like a, you know, 1440p screen or something like that, or do some scaling on some other weird resolutions. Like let's say a you know a QHD screen that's what thirty two hundred by sixteen hundred or something like that. So really weird stuff. It does not look. It starts falling apart. It definitely starts falling apart at the seams. Now maybe there's a newer version that has kind of you know I think everybody's kind of matured in the high DPI area uh, lately. You know probably within the last two years. So maybe that's not current anymore knowledge or not not a current feature or current problem with the uh, existing elementary. But again, all these things are all based on Debian. So, <laughs> right, right. I mean, you have to say, like, of the distributions, Debian is is the the, the core, the rock solid piece for sure. But when it comes to packaging it into a distribution, you know, I, you know, Pop OS definitely stands out as a as a winner. I mean, obviously, <clears throat> HP decided to put out a a laptop with Pop OS on it. Um, yeah, jeez. How many people are going to hate us after this? I don't like having this discussion. <laughs> I like Fedora too, but I, you know, it's, I don't think it's terribly user friendly. It is really nice, but like, yeah. Mm. The the packaging system has always fallen a little short for me, and it's and they've also played around with it some because it used to be just like straight RPM. Then they went to Yum. Now they now they use DNF, DNF and so they're. Yeah. So they're so they're futzing around with the the back end stuff and making it more complicated than it needs to be, I think. 
And uh, so, so for that reason, I don't think it stands up. The 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 apt and the depackaged environment of Debian seems to be pretty universal and and pretty flexible. Um, yeah, years ago it used to be like you know if somebody was going to package something, it would have been an ARP. I mean, that might be like fifteen years ago, but <laughs> <laughs> but now, yeah, it's like it's either in a deb or an RPM if they've even packaged it, or they've gone and used you know app image flat pack or snap at this point yeah i mean if you're if you're in the enterprise space you definitely want to stay on the rpm side i think cuz cuz that's where they focus but i don't think we're talking about that so yeah no no so i mean i mean so yeah i i run i run garuda linux here so it's an arch with kde and it's not user friendly <laughs> right <laughs> but it works perfectly for me so I don't see myself changing this out. And like I say, I run pop OS and I, I don't see myself changing that laptop again. And, uh, my Mac mini runs fedora, but I haven't turned on the Mac mini in probably, I don't know, six months, eight months. <laughs> so, so there's my votes. <laughs> yeah. Pop OS or arch one or the other. There you go. <laughs> okay. And I, I haven't run Pop OS. Basically, if I'm running anything around here, it's either d- straight Debian or Ubuntu. So, so would you would you choose Pop OS over Ubuntu based on the criteria we've outlined? Yes. You think yes, it's, I would. Yes, you think would. it's ease of install and general application availability and ease of updating the second the last uh, bullets are better than straight Ubuntu? Yes. Okay. Yes. 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 <laughs> I'll just say it now. Yes. Yes. I think Pop OS is better as of right now. I mean, that could all change, but like right now, yeah. If I compare the, you know, Ubuntu LTS with Pop OS with the Linux Mint and elementary. So, like thinking about all the derivatives of Debian, even Sparky Linux, I, I probably still choose Pop, Pop OS, actually. I, I think it's, it's nice. It's comfortable. It's easy to use. It's not, not heavyweight on the uh, on the memory usage. Yeah, I, I, I don't see any I don't see any down downs from that uh, that choice over the others at this point. Okay, and it's since it's actually derived from the systems that I use and I would recommend anyway. I'm willing to go with Pop OS even having never really used it. But <laughs> um, now some people don't like it, right? Because it's it is GNOME, right? It's it's a, it's a <laughs> but they've done some stuff to it to make it to at least add all the features that I want out of the box. So like out of the box, it already has a dock and everything else, and um, it's quite performant. Uh, yeah, just I I ran several OSs on that particular box that's flaky. Anyways, I, I think the processor has actually got problems with, it, so it, it always flakes out anyway. But I think it's ran its best. And I think I said this before to you when I put Pop OS on there. Is I, I think this thing has run its best it's ever ran since I put that on there. All right. There's so definitely you, hardware problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So so definitely we're going down the, the Debian um, derivative chain. Uh, and I guess we'll land on Pop OS as far as the Linux distribution itself. Now, like you said, that comes with GNOME. And it comes with its own customized version of GNOME 3. But we're kind of separating out desktop environments. So if you had to choose the best desktop environment, I know you wouldn't pick a gnome. So <laughs> what, what would you say? Well, no, I mean, actually I probably would. Cause, uh, well, I did like budgie for a while, but, um, you know, I, I, I have no problem with no, the only problem I've ever had is with the file manager. And like, I could fix that or change that myself to something else. 
Uh, and that's the only thing I don't like about it. Uh, other than that, works fine for my workflow. I hit the super key, type in what I want, press the enter button. Guess what? It pops up. The application pops up. Um, I I have KDE on my on my recording computer here, and I use it in the garage, and it's multi you know screened and everything else. And I hate KDE. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have it, it looks great, but it, I just, it is fantastic. I don't like it. Yes, I don't it's like it. Very flashy, very very glossy, <laughs> very eye candy, and and for certain applications, I don't mind it. But Sometimes it just gets in the way. I just I don't know. But like some people, like, they love KDE. Like that's their 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 stuff. They love the flow. They love everything. I think I think I like more of the minimal stuff. Like not quite to the I would I three WM or whatever it is, <laughs> or to the you know windowless uh, WM you know, window managers and stuff like that. But uh, for like general use, yeah, I think uh, GNOME and the GTK backend and stuff like that. I think it's it it works. It's definitely more user friendly in the most time, most part. I haven't tried a high DPI with this particular box because I don't have any high DPI screens on this KDE, so I don't know like what this would look like in a high DPI environment. But uh, yeah, I know I know what uh, I know what uh, the Pop OS GNOME does, and that that does fine because I have that stupid quad HD screen on that box, and it flips between high DPI and low DPI without any issues, and it looks exactly the same no matter which mode you're in, which is really peculiar because <laughs> it never worked that well uh when when you had to do that before so i think I, I i use gnome more than anything absolutely and i think if you if you look at it from a base install on any particular distribution that uses gnome as its default desktop environment all the way up to getting it customized to exactly fit your workflow i think it's probably the most usable and I wouldn't have a problem recommending GNOME as, or or saying GNOME is the best based on the criteria we've specified. Although John in the chat says he's disliked it since they changed the way the mouse buttons work in the scroll bars. Okay, I'm <laughs> I'm not following that. <laughs> the mouse buttons work in the scroll bars. Hmm. I don't know if I've ever used the mouse buttons in the scroll bar besides grabbing the scroll thing grabbing the yeah the little slider and moving it up and down that's which generally my slider is so tiny i can't even do that so i mean ever i since use the, the scroll in, wheel yeah. yeah ever since the invention of the scroll mouse <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't think i've grabbed too many window sliders unless it's a old vb you know app in windows or whatever that doesn't respond to a scroll event yeah, and I, I have not really run into many occasions. I have once or twice come to an occasion where the scroll wheel doesn't actually do anything, and you've had to manually click on the little slider, but that's pretty rare. And uh, I'm just I'm just so used to using the center scroll wheel that <laughs> I don't never seen that, John. Right mouse button in every other system goes down or up by one screen length when you click above or below the thumb. Okay, what does what does GNOME oh. do? When you click that, dink, dink, dink. Okay, so that does. I, I, I've never actually used that gesture, so I have no idea what it does. Oh, yeah, you just click underneath of it, and it jogs down to the next thing. See, I, I've left-clicked above and below the, the yeah. slider. Left-click, that's what I've used. I've yeah. never used the right I've never used right-click. It's always left-click. Right-click is, is technically a menuing button, not necessarily a nav button, so it wouldn't make any sense for the UI or user experience to change the behavior of the right mouse button unless that was wrong to begin with in gnome 2 or something <laughs> he says that gnome does that functionality with the middle button 
you know, not not every mouse has a middle button. <laughs> well, it's the scroll wheel has a scroll wheel has a middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it can be used as a middle button, sure. But see that I'm I'm using it here, and the middle button does it for me on macOS. It goes up by a page. Well, right, I would be fine. Middle right button click does nothing. Middle button and left button should do that. Right click should never do a nav event. Sorry, that's that's a UX thing. <laughs> oh, he says you got right and left mixed up. Okay, there you go. So yeah. Okay, yeah. No, I'm not in. I don't have my GNOME box in front of me, so I'm not looking at that. I'm just in my KDE, and it does that with both the left and the middle button. But I will ha- gladly test Pop OS to see if it does that. I've never. Uh, yeah, I use a scroll wheel, or I use a touch screen, which I have to say on Pop OS works great. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I've always done that with a pretty, pretty much mindless left click, and it all it has always worked, even in GNOME. So I, I don't know. <laughs> well, let's uh, move on from that because that's <laughs> right. Well, seems we were, to be an interesting discussion, right? So we were settling on a desktop environment, and I think we're saying GNOME three. Yeah, I mean GNOME. Yeah, whatever the latest version is, isn't it like four or something now? Well, wh- whatever it is, whatever GNOME version comes with, like Pop OS, for example, or Ubuntu. I think it's <laughs> GNOME forty three ish now, forty two, forty three, which would be GNOME four. All right. So, so are we comfortable with that? We're gonna we're gonna settle on that as, as our answer and uh, sure. see, see how many uh, hate mails we get. Hate mails, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hate mail. That's terrible. Everybody should be running cinnamon or <laughs> or mate, <laughs> you know. And, and that's great for people that are very menu centric to using menus. I particularly don't like menus in my uh, in my way. <laughs> I kill them all in Windows Ten too. So that tells you anything. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't use Windows either or menus. So. Yeah. Yeah. Menus just get all messed up, and they put ads in there, and <laughs> they reorder stuff when you put a new app in there. I just, I'd rather not. I always get confused when I actually have to search for an app. It's like, <laughs> it's like I just start typing. It's like, oh, I didn't install it on this machine because I'm getting like a, a Bing search result or something stupid. <laughs> it's like, uh, <clears throat> so yeah. I'm, I never, I'm curious. I never, never. Curious now if Cheryl has any input on this discussion. She probably fell asleep. <laughs> she, she may have. <laughs> oh, here she is. What? What? Huh? What? <laughs> do Do you have any input on this discussion? The best Linux distribution? A one that works. There you go. Yeah, that well, was my first answer. Yeah, that, that was that's the easy out answer. But... <laughs> no, I have absolutely no we, input on those. We so. We had to generate controversy. You can't just say whatever uh, works. So yeah, sorry, <laughs> too easy. Too easy. Yeah. I, I have no input here. So <laughs> okay, well it's okay because we're we're coming up on your time to shine here because we're we're down to it. We've we've decided on Pop OS and the current version of GNOME as the best Linux distribution and DE combination. So sure, yeah, ever, <laughs> ever, yeah, ever until the yeah. next best thing comes along. So <laughs> right, right, right. You realize hate mail is going to be rolling in <laughs> oh, within ten God. minutes. No, I, I now fully we should remind it, people so. this is based upon the five criteria items that we have in our list which is ham radio usability which i don't think anybody can really argue about that general usability for the average user you know define an average user i don't know you know, could could your could your parents use <laughs> could your grandparents use a uh gnome and pop os i think they could flexibility could, yep. yeah flexibility you know i think almost all desktop environments are super flexible these days so I don't think that would get in the way. It's just really the OS, whether the OS can be installed pretty much anywhere, which again, I think that probably fits the bill too. Ease of install, you know, there's what five screens to go through to install it. I think it's pretty. 
<clears throat> and the application availability, ease of updating. Yep, flat packs, snaps, whatever you want to put on there, you can put on there. So bada bing, bada boom. Yep. All right. Well, there's your answer. And uh, we look forward to your hate mail. <laughs> so, yeah, and if Sister76 <laughs> wants to sponsor us and send us some la- No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or, or if all the other distributions we have somehow, you know, dissed during this discussion want to send us their best and brightest uh, for us to test, you know, let us know. <laughs> we'll we'll uh, get right on that. We do go through a lot of distributions here. So, I mean, you know, that's kind of that's kind of what we do, or at least I do. I do a lot of distro hopping. I do a lot of testing of distribution. So I think, you know, I, I have a pretty good handle on what works and what doesn't work. Yeah, I have my own biased workflows. And, you know, much like I'm using an operating system, I mean, the, the desktop windowing environment right now, KDE, that I wouldn't actually use on any machine. <laughs> I'm literally using it right now. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I... I it's it's probably not very much. All right, very good. Well, that has been our random discussion topic for this weekender: the best ham radio distribution. I hope it starts picking some hedonistic stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we've had, we've yeah. had three tech topics in a row. I'm I'm, you know, I want to hit some of the good stuff. Now that you've said <laughs> that, you're going to have another twenty-seven tech topics. <laughs> probably, yeah. Yeah, we need people to send in new tech topics so we can flood it with many, many tech topics so we can continue <laughs> to not have any fun in the first half of the show. We just want to start controversies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very good. Well, let's move on to some of that fun and that hedonism and all of that stuff that makes life worth living. And we'll we'll jump off with food and bring Cheryl into the conversation and she can talk about what kind of food we've got for this week and then of course we're going to follow up with with alcohol because you know alcohol fuels us so right <laughs> yeah so go ahead okay so for the recipe this week i picked air fryer panko crusted pork chops um so it's time to drag out your air fryer or invest in one if you don't have one and prepare yourself to enjoy these juicy pork chops and the recipe, of course, will be in the show notes, but it involves water, kosher salt, white sugar, rosemary, bay leaf, pork chops, of course, egg, panko breadcrumbs, Parmesan cheese, Italian seasoning, black pepper, olive oil, parsley, and rosemary for a garnish. And you'll need uh, most of a day to do it because this does create a brine that you need to to let your chops sit in for a while. So start early in the day and you'll have a very tasty pork chops for dinner. And then for the mixed drink corner this week, I picked a pineapple sangria. And summer is drawing to close, but that doesn't mean that we have to skip out on enjoying a nice sangria. Uh, This one does take some time. So you'll need to start it probably the day before you plan on drinking it. And it will make about a gallon. So prepare yourself for that. But for this, you need Sauvignon Blanc, pineapple juice, triple sec, brandy, fresh pineapple, orange, lemon, and fresh oranges, lemons, and limes. And a carbonated beverage that's lemon-lime flavored like 7-Up, Sprite, or Sierra Mist. So, and of course, the recipes for both of those will be in the show notes. So Very good. And John pointed out in the chat room that using kosher salt on pork chops is a bit of a (laughs) misnomer it's a bit of an oxymoron (laughs) 
<laughs> you're, yeah, you're, it does yeah. not make your pork chops kosher, people. Is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't don't go with that one. So. <laughs> uh, all right. Very good. So, what do I have? I have some stuff that I picked up actually in Louisville in the distillery. I went to Old Forester uh, what a week and a half ago. Uh, about two weeks ago now. Well, that's true. I don't remember what day it was. It was whatever. It was like Friday. I, no, no you, Saturday. No, it was Saturday or Sunday that you were in Louisville. It was so. Saturday, Saturday morning. I was in Louisville. Yeah. Not. Not like yesterday, a week ago, and not no, it no, was no, two no, it was, weeks it was two ago. weeks ago. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> the drinking has begun, people. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yes. So I was traveling with my brother on our way from New Hampshire down here to Missouri, so he could spend some time down here and get away from work for a while. And on the way, we made a few pit stops, and one of those pit stops was Louisville, Kentucky, and. As you might be aware, in Louisville, Kentucky, there are many distilleries. So <laughs> I had to uh, I had to stop at the one that I routinely describe as my favorite, because my favorite whiskey is Old Forester 1920. So I had to hit the Old Forester Distillery, and I did that. I tried many things at the Old Forester Distillery, even some stuff you can't actually buy, like the President Select 24, President Select 25, and uh, some other stuff. I did the Statesman, uh, which, of course, is readily available. And uh, they had, like, Old Forester 117, single barrel, something like that. And it was a whole bunch of great stuff. But what I brought home from Old Forester is the Old Forester Kentucky Straight Rye Whiskey. So, what is Old Fork? Yeah, well, you know what it is. It's a straight rye whiskey. <laughs> in 1870, this this is by Old Forester, by the way. Our founder, George Garvin Brown, revolutionized the, revolutionized the industry by sealing bourbon in a glass bottle for the first time. What the hell were they using before? Newspaper? <laughs> I mean, it wasn't plastic, right? So what? What what did they put bourbon in before glass? Just oak barrels. You drink it right from well, the I barrel. Guess you drink it, yeah, I suppose. Drink it right from the barrel. That would be five, so good. <laughs> five generations and nearly 150 years later, we are proud to introduce the first Kentucky straight rye whiskey from the first bottled bourbon. A historic recipe acquired in 1940 by Owsley Brown I, Old Forester Rye benefits from a fully natural fermentation process, foregoing the need for artificial enzymes commonly found in high rye mash bills. Additionally, a generous percentage of malt yields a unique floral character, balancing the sharp, brisk spice of the rye grain. Continuing our legacy of quality and consistency, Old Forester uses its own proprietary yeast strain, produces every barrel, and distills every drop. At 100 proof, Old Forester rye plays beautifully in a cocktail, but also stands up boldly on its own. <laughs> so it says clay jugs. Pretty sure they weren't <laughs> distilling back in uh, ancient Egypt. But uh, actually, no, I just no, no, no. looked it up. No, they uh, were. Oh, is it clay jugs? It's ceramic or clay jugs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, how about that? Yeah. In the beginning, there was a you jug. were told. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. I got schooled. <laughs> I got schooled. Um. <laughs> yeah, before distillers used glass bottles, many of them offered branded ceramic or clay jugs. They could be filled and sold to customers. Well, how about that? Yeah, All right. Where you know. That's right. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. We're, we're like an after-school special for, for booze. 
I did it because of you. <laughs> All right. So into the details of the Old Forester Kentucky Straight Rye Whiskey. The mass bill on this is 65% rye, 20% malted barley, and 15% corn, which is sort of the opposite of most of the stuff that I drink. <laughs> um, <clears throat> proof on it, as as already stated, is 100, 50% ABV. Uh, it doesn't say anything about being bottled in bond, but I don't know if that has anything to do with rye whiskey. That might only apply to bourbon. So another thing I don't, I don't think know. the Forester 100 is considered bottled in bond either. Bottled and bond has specific requirements. I just don't know if it applies yeah. to the alcohol itself. I don't know if you can have a bottled and bond rye. You probably can. I, I just don't know. There's nothing on this bottle that says anything about being bottled and bond. It just says it's 100 proof. So there you go. Uh, it comes, of course, from Louisville, Kentucky. The color on it is chestnut brown uh, that I've seen mentioned in a couple of places. And it's actually really interesting it's it's not the best rye i've ever had but it's very good but like i said i, I like pretty much everything that comes out of old forester so some of the some of the nosing notes are brown sugar it's definitely high in the brown sugar very sweet i get banana uh this says magnolia blossom that's not my note i don't know what a magnolia blossom smells like I, I probably would if I actually smelled one, but it's not really in my brain right now. So I'm going to change this to floral because it definitely has a floral note, but I can't say it's specifically magnolia. Also sassafras and candied lemon. And you definitely get those on the nose. So on the taste, I get all of these notes, but not in this order. They say black pepper, general spiciness, cinnamon, dill, and baked apple. And I get all of that, but I also get a um, a nuttiness like a, not a peanut, more of a mixed, sort of like the general smell you get from a bowl of mixed nuts. So I'm just going to say mixed nuts. But to me, the black pepper and the spiciness is not as prominent as the apple, cinnamon, and dill, and nuts. It's sort of in the opposite order. And then on the finish, you get a little bit of allspice, black pepper or peppercorn, some pine, anise, and lemon. It's interesting that the the rye, the rye spice, which you would normally associate with anise or black licorice or something like that, really doesn't come out until sort of the end. You don't get it at the beginning. And this is 65% rye, which is interesting. But even at 100%, or 100 proof, not 100%, it feels a little thin to me. It's definitely not nearly as good as, like, the Peerless that Bill had and the Ross Bill that I have or that we both have. But it's very good, and it's a lot less expensive than those. Uh, a, a fifth of it runs $25 or so, maybe a little less. And I got a liter of it at the distillery for 29 So, Yeah. While it's it's not as good as things like Rossville Union, it is still very good. It's a highly drinkable rye, even straight. I will definitely be using this to make old fashions with because I think it's going to be fantastic. And uh, it's 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 a perfect like daily sipper for a rye whiskey, and I'm going to enjoy draining this bottle. So, rating wise, I'm going to give it a ninety. It's very good. 
and at the price point, uh, it's it's really good. So, if you want to check out a decent rye that that like won't hit you over the head with rye spice and is a perfectly good daily drinker, definitely check out the Old Forester Kentucky Straight Rye Whiskey. You have something, Bill? Well, I had a rush in here, so uh, no, not really. But uh, I do. I, <laughs> I did. I am. I am enjoying some Rossville Union rye. So uh, yeah, I will definitely say that. That's the best. <laughs> I, I kind of feel like I want to go back to the Rossville Union and, and look at what I gave it because I yeah. hope it. I hope it's less than ninety. You hope it's less than ninety <laughs> or, or more than ninety? Sorry. Oh yeah. I, I it hope it's more. It should be. It deserves to be. Where did I do Rossville Union? <clears throat> Can't remember. But anyway, I'll also talk about uh, a cheap wine uh, because I'm all about cheap wines. As well, and uh, we joined uh, we joined Sam's Club because we were just bored one day, and we went over there. And I was like, I want to see what their cheap red wine tastes like. And of course, this is their Members Mark Red Red Blend wine. It comes in you know you know one point five liter jug um, for nine bucks. <laughs> it can't be good, right? And um, it's actually not bad. <laughs> I've had a lot worse wines for more money. Um, but yeah, if, uh, if you've been afraid to try it because it's really cheap wine, I, I would say it's probably, uh, not bad, not bad. Good wine. You can even throw some ice in there, maybe make a little, you know, sangria out of it or something like that. If you'd want to, uh, yeah, but for nine bucks. Yeah. Really good. I uh, I found the Roswell union. I gave it a 95. So oh, ab- yeah, absolutely yeah. spot on. So yeah, that sounds good. Yep. All right. I feel, I feel like. I'm I'm hitting these like I'm not contradicting myself when I do these reviews. So I worry about that sometimes. Yeah, so, you're pretty consistent. You're pretty consistent. Uh, <clears throat> so I don't think we found many that uh, you you've taken back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there's there's a couple of things I've revisited and changed my opinion of. But I think if I if I pick a rating, I've I've pretty much been sort of spot on where where it lives. So. Well, and sometimes it's a little hard too. If you've chosen a single barrel or something like that, you know, there might be some just differences in the whole line when you get like a blended product versus a single barrel pick. <clears throat> so those can also kind of alter the the decisions of the rating because that barrel can be very, very specific. So uh, always take right. that in mind when you look at a rating and make sure it's not on a single barrel. If it's on a single barrel, then, you know, it's really much that lot number and that barrel. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, if it's a blended product, like obviously this old Forester is a blended product. So, um, yeah, yeah. You should be able to just pick any bottle up off the shelf and it should pretty much be the same. Right. And I think I've, I've been pretty good about being very specific when, when something has been a single barrel batch of something. Yes. Yes. You so, have. so, so. <laughs> all right. Very good. So that's it for the alcohol and the booze and all that good stuff. We do have one bit of feedback that we need to touch on. This is a YouTube comment from, I don't know how to pronounce this. I'm going to go with Didachi Menarekiza. Sure. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Um, If you'd like to correct me, feel free. He says, good. And I am assuming that good is in reference to the video. This was the video about using Cubic to create your own distribution. He says, can you make a video to install Proteus 8 in Ubuntu? And we could, but there are already videos about that. 
uh, other people have done this. And the way you do it, because it's a Windows-only application, at least in all the videos I saw, was to use Play on Linux. So if you want to use Proteus 8 on Ubuntu, uh, YouTube search is your friend, which is also Google search because, you know, YouTube is Google. <laughs> and uh, I watched several videos about installing Proteus 8 on Ubuntu, and they all use Play on Linux. So... So unless you want to augment that, Bill, that's that's my answer. No, yeah, I was like, yeah, the same same kind of path as I, I didn't even look it up because I saw it was Windows right away, and I'm like, well, yeah, you're going to be using some kind of emulation layer, whether that's Wine, Proton, um, yeah, Play on Linux, what have you. Um, and your mileage may vary. It, it's it's not a guaranteed thing that it's going to work right. And even if I showed it to you on one particular box and distribution, it may not run the same on another one just because they're just windows apps on top of linux aren't 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 really the way to go if you're trying to make that part of your workflow much easier just install a vm with windows on it and install the software natively in windows and call it good yeah absolutely all right well that brings us oh shit why why am i stop (laughs) didn't mute your phone i don't know why my phone started playing you know, the thing is, I've noticed throughout the podcast that there was uh, points when Bill would speak and it would pop and he would almost disappear and then slowly yeah. fade back. He got the scratchiness yeah. on the ducking this time, too. So, oh, yeah. that then. It's probably Reaper doing something weird. It sounds it sounds like you're like dragging your finger across the like the microphone of a headset. Oh, well, that's definitely not happening. Well, right, but that's right, what it but, sounds like. But his his voice would like almost completely disappear, and then slowly grow louder again. Well, that's that's typically what happens when you have an audio gain issue. It will duck when it gotcha. when it's uh, flat tops. It'll duck, right. and then and then come back. And that's exactly the behavior we were seeing. We saw it on the last one too. Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to change some stuff up there. So it's all my fault. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Well, so we'll start we'll, beating on some we'll, stuff. We'll be happy fine. to blame you regardless of whatever yeah. the issue is. So. Yeah, yeah. It's only because I, I switched to using you know Reaper and and Jack and stuff like that. I mean, it's literally the same mixer and everything else. It has its own limiter, compressor, and stuff like that in it. But the only thing I've changed was I'm running Reaper now, so I think that might be the issue. Okay. Well, very good. We'll try and sort that out. So sorry for any of the audio quality issues in this episode, but uh, let's go ahead and wind her up and we'll let Cheryl carry us through the social media stuff. Alrighty then. So for this week, for our subscribers and Patreons, we did not have any new ones. Uh, for Facebook, Claude Lamott, Kevin Broussard, Randy Ronaldo, Ernst Schmidt, and Ronald uh, Joachim joined us. Joachim. Um, there's, yeah. <laughs> Don't Probably, don't use the pork. Don't use the pork. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no new Twitter users for YouTube. We had nmac one zero one. For Discord, we had Jim N three JLM W seven GXI Nolan and Darkstar PDX. We had no merchandise sales. And for our live chat, we have KC nine ZMY, which is Don, KU seven PDX, which is Chris, KB two YSI, which is Don, K one BTZ, which is John, N eight DAH, which is David, K four XSS, which is Tony, and KB seven YS, which is Stacy. 
All right. Had a nice crew in there tonight. Thanks to everybody for tuning into the live chat. Hope it was enjoyable. And we publish where you can join the live chat on our social media platforms each week. So if you want to listen to the recording live, you're certainly welcome to do that. We would love to have you. We like to have the discussion while we're doing the show. It, it always keeps us entertained. And uh, we hope you have a great week. I want to thank everybody for being here, for downloading the show, for being a part of the program, and especially to our sponsors and Patreons for helping support us and keeping the show going for, for so long. We appreciate all of you. And uh, we hope you have a great next week and tune in for the next one, which should be a deep dive. We'll, we'll figure out what the topic is over the uh, ensuing few days. And we hope you tune in for that one as well. In the meantime, have a great night or day or whatever it is when you're listening to this. And we'll catch you on the next one. This has been episode number 478 of Linux in the Hamshack. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute list on the homepage. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism.